0: Today is September 25th, 2021. This is episode 140 of Back to Normal. So let's get started. All right, in this episode, I am going to be spending a little bit of time on a few different topics. Um, one of the big things I really want to talk about, um, kind of want to spend the majority of my time on is, is kind of reflecting on the end of my parental leave, which this, this past week was the last week. That I'm on leave. I've been off for five weeks, which which is really fun. Like just such a great coincidence that the entire election, federal election campaign took place over those five weeks. And the last five weeks have been my vote compass episodes. Um but yeah, it's done. Like today and tomorrow are my last days before I start work again. And I start my new job on Monday. So I'm really excited for that. Um, but like I said. Um, this is kind of gonna be a, a getting back getting back to normal with back to normal after five weeks of doing specific, like dedicated vote compass stuff. I don't know. So for the 2019 election, I went through the vote compass question by question and I wrote like I did kind of a text analysis of the question. And because I have a podcast now where it's really just like personal journal type talking, um, what I did this time, again for the last five episodes, is I went through the questions kind of just talking through a stream of consciousness style into a microphone um and i i don't know what i like best but i've definitely found that doing it i don't know i don't think i felt this way nearly as much although i know i kind of did um it felt kind of rote and it got boring and repetitive after a while of doing it in for this election for the 2021 one and i'm not sure if that's due to audio more or if it's just um yeah doing the same thing slightly different for 5 weeks is uh is just too repetitive for me but uh but it was an, a valuable experience i think and it kind of clarified my position on a few things and and hopefully hopefully gave me a little bit better understanding of how i feel about the main political topics that canadians should find important um and so yeah basically it might be useless for the most part to go back and listen to those but i i probably will at some point um If anything, just as kind of reminding myself of my political positions were maybe a couple of years down the road, maybe at the next election time, we'll see. Um, But I did want to start the episode, although I'm already a few minutes in, I wanted to start the episode talking about the results of the federal election. And um, there's been a lot, a lot of talk and I don't follow the political news in Canada that closely, but there's been just a ton of talk in this election about like once the results came out about how this election was basically for nothing and because the results stayed exactly the same we ended up with almost no difference the liberals consolidated ended up as it ends up the liberals consolidated a little bit of power but everything else is basically stayed exactly where it was and a lot of people basically saying you know because nothing changed over the last two years since the last election two years ago this was a, a waste of time it was a waste of money and you know to those people i would say do you think that would be if if the results had been different would it have been a waste of money and like that that doesn't change depending on what party you affiliate with or what kind of policies you espouse i don't think it was a waste of money um and honestly if you didn't really care that much or if you, your vote if your personal vote didn't change between the last election and this election then it doesn't really take you paying much attention like if you're not if you're not if you don't want to pay attention you don't have to if you want to just spend you know five minutes requesting a mail in ballot, and then pop it in the mail when it comes um and be done with it then then do that I for one did like I did this whole vote compass thing. I didn't really pay it. I didn't watch any of the debates or anything. I find them very just like here's a mouthpiece um I'm gonna say my thing and then get out. There's always some controversy, some funny thing that happens, you know all that kind of stuff, but I don't really feel like I learn anything from in the leaders' debates, and um. Yeah. So basically, like I spent not very much time thinking about the actual the actual parties. Um, One of the big things that did come up that I did want to discuss is the Justin Trudeau answered a question about um, voting methods and like a change, basically a change to the way Canada does its federal elections. Um, After the Liberals promised that the election in 2015 would be the last election held under first past the post system, which is the system that we have just basically um, plurality rules. In every writing. And um, he said something which kind of made me feel a little bit not bad for him at all, um, but it made me feel like kind of empathize with him a little bit in that he basically said um there was a lot of support for different kinds of voting systems when they asked, when they asked the experts that they talked to, and they asked the people that they were consulting with. Um, there were a lot of different options, a lot of different opinions, and the different pieces of the political spectrum obviously want different um different ways to vote because it affects them positively like they would want the system that gives them the most power, which is just like that's just how it works but the goal of an actual democracy should be used to to use a voting system that is the fairest and gives the most people the closest representation to what they want and like just because there's there's no consensus on the very best option doesn't mean you shouldn't move to what you consider a better option and so basically what made me feel what made me empathize for justin is the fact that his preferred voting system is the one that he would would have chosen if it was just his decision which it wasn't um is effectively just ranked ballots like are everything about our system exactly the same except instead of marking an x for your or whatever making a mark for your chosen candidate you put numbers and you can rank them, and that's exactly what i would do <laughs> that's just exactly the system i would choose um there's there's a lot of support for proportional representation in the um the report that came out when the liberals looked into it and yeah it it doesn't really like pr- the idea of proportional representation seems good in theory but really what it does is it actually promotes the ideas of fringe parties and doesn't like, and those fringe parties are never going to represent, like, by definition, they're never going to represent the majority opinion. They're never even going to represent a popular opinion. They're The fringe parties represent fringe opinions. And so if a party like the People's Party of Canada gets six and a half or seven percent of the vote, it would be absolutely terrible for them to get six or seven percent of the seats. That would be atrocious. That that is just gross. <laughs> like, I don't even want to think about it. And the other issue with it, other than there's, you can do a mixed member proportional voting system um, where some people represent a specific riding and other people are kind of floating, floating votes. Um, But with proportional representation, straight proportional representation, um, you literally end up with a system that every single person represented doesn't represent an actual set of people. They just represent the party. And this, the current system we have actually represents, you know, it, it, it feels a lot more representative than than proportional representation to me, because as we saw several times over the last five or the last two election cycles, um, people can change parties like you're not voting for the part. Like in a sense, you are voting for the party, but you're actually not because the people who you elect, the MP, can change allegiances. They don't have to vote with the party. They can be kicked out of the party if they don't vote with the party but they can also choose to leave the party voluntarily. There was a green uh, party candidate that was elected last election. And after the election, they switched from green to liberals. And like, it's just very clear. It happens. It happens relatively frequently that people stop being affiliated with the party that they were voted in affiliated to. And um, yeah, I find that really interesting Um I would love the ability to rank, to put, put ranked ballots. I almost want to like, the idea has crossed my mind. The thought has crossed my mind to put Mark, like to mark my ballot as though it's a ranked ballot. Um, Basically putting numbers, but but I know that you just get my ballot um, discounted. Um, Is it worth it? Maybe. I don't know. Um, But yeah, it really made me empathize with Justin getting back to the point, which is that that's the system that he thinks is the most fair And honestly, I think that Canada as a progressive country um, would elect a vast majority of progressive leaders if it came down to ranked ballots, because we have we have seen what what this political system looks like. where We have two and kind of a third mainstream um, left leaning party, and they're they're all fairly similar. The, The NDP and liberals did not do a lot, in my opinion, to differentiate between themselves. During this election campaign and during past election campaign campaigns either really as much um, they hold very similar positions on a lot of issues and if you look at the the vote compass if you take the vote compass you'll see how close they are on a lot of different um, spectra on a lot of different dimensions um if the people who if you had the opportunity to rank a ballot I am betting I would bet very good money that the people who who are ranking you know, Um, who are putting liberal one NDP two um, like the people who vote left-leaning would vote some order of liberal NDP green. Like those would be their, their, their top three votes. And the people who are, who are more conservative would obviously vote either, you know, um, conservative party of Canada, people's party of Canada, or some, you know, some fringe party that represents the right, Um, but has no chance of actually winning an election under first past the post. But under ranked ballot, they can at least be they can at least show you know this is my first choice would be this you know fringe party and but obviously again if you're on the right you'd end up with most of the seats and in this election all of the seats going to um, the Conservative Party of Canada and in Quebec you'd be able to see in ridings where um, where the Bloc Quebecois did not win a majority of first first ballots um, whether they get a majority of votes you'd be able to see which party was the was most uh successful or gathered the most votes other than the bloc quebecois so it'd be really interesting to see how th- a federal election run under first past the post shakes out um it would honestly be fascinating i would love to see that happen um i don't see it happening anytime soon there's not really any huge political will to change voting systems um but yeah that I would love to see a Canadian election held with ranked ballots. I would just love it. I I want that so badly. Um, it seems like such a clear, um, best, most fair way to hold a, an election of any kind where there are multiple people and there's more than, you know, more than a two party system. It'd be really awesome. Um, I do want to briefly touch on leaving the federal election behind. Um, I do want to touch on the end of my leave. Like I was saying before, um, this is my last weekend of my leave. I'm going back to work, starting my new position as a senior process management officer uh, on Monday. Very excited about it. And I've basically been bursting the seams trying to, um, you know, figure out what I'm going to do when I get back, what I'm going to start on, what, what has changed um, with work. You know, what might how I'm going to be able to redefine my job a little bit once I do start going back. Uh, like getting back into the swing of things, um, what what the priorities will be, if anything has been canceled or if anything has been changed or all that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, I'm fascinated and I'm just really excited to, uh, you know, start working on things again because it's been a long time, like five weeks has been a really long time. And though I wouldn't change I wouldn't not do this next time. Like I, it's not that I regret taking the leave, but I do love and miss my job. I really enjoy it. And obviously I'm starting a new job where I've carved out a niche for myself to be able to really focus in on exactly what I want. Um, yeah. The, the federal government has a really good parental leave policy, which is that um, basically I get topped up to 93% of my salary for the five weeks that I'm taking. And so in the end, I did the math and it basically works out to one hundred and fifty dollars a week less that I'm getting paid during this leave. And like for one hundred fifty dollars a week for five weeks, I would absolutely take that as kind of a little vacation slash leave like family time. It was it was so nice to be able to plan things with the family, to be able to have the freedom to um do day trips, do little, you know, adventures and and not have to worry about work during that time, even though I do really miss work. And um, yeah, so I'm really grateful that this system exists. And and like I said, I will absolutely do this next time. Um, I would probably choose a different quieter time personally. And hopefully the next time it, again, if I go on parental leave again, hopefully it will <laughs> not be during a pandemic. Hopefully there won't be any COVID restrictions um, during any possible potential next leave, but, um, yeah, I really highly recommend it. Um, even if it doesn't seem like it's for you, you, you over the five weeks, you come to terms with it and you can kind of sink into, um, the feeling of being okay with not working. Um, it is going to be really hard to get back to 7am wake ups. Um, I'm not looking forward to that part, but, but it is what it is. I'm just gonna have to go to bed earlier, honestly, um, rather than staying up super late again. The last thing I want to talk about um, before I go is that on Wednesday in Ontario, the vaccine passport system uh, was first put in place. So for a lot of different leisure style activities, and we actually on Wednesday ended up going on doing one of our day excursions. We went to the Nature Museum in Can- in uh, Ottawa, the Canadian Museum of Nature, and it, the museum itself did not require a vaccine um, proof, but the eating area did, which I thought was an, not both an interesting kind of spread. And also, it was interesting to see the enforcement, because obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, but again, you're booking tickets for the Nature Museum. It wasn't that the, the museum was empty, but it definitely wasn't full. And we went on a weekday on purpose. Um, but basically, showing proof of vaccination to, to enter an eating area, to go into a place where you're indoors and you can actually take off your mask is a great idea. And that's the yeah, that's the intent of the vaccine passport is that in order to go to places where you are going to be removing your mask when you're around. Like close enough-ish to other people that you might feel uncomfortable that you need to prove that you're vaccinated, or you know, or a child that can't be vaccinated yet. And um, so, my first experience that with vaccine passports, it was amazing, and I can see myself easing back into that kind of thing in the future. I'm definitely not ready to go to a restaurant or like, I mean, I feel uncomfortable even about going to a busy patio. Julia and I went, we took a kind of a date afternoon um, this past week and went to the outlet malls, the outlet mall, which is kind of an outdoor mall. The stores are all indoors, obviously, but the pathways between them are all outdoors. Um, And we ended up eating on a patio that had like one other group, like 40 feet away on it. Um, It was just giant patio. that was empty in a food court at this mall. Um, I felt comfortable doing that. Obviously there's, that's just basically like having a picnic table in the middle of nowhere. But, um, yeah, I definitely didn't feel comfortable eating indoors at that food court yet, even though they're doing a lot of distancing and all that kind of stuff. It just, it's, it's not, I'm not there yet. Um, but this vaccine passport will surely help. And hopefully at some point this winter, I'm, I'm looking forward to being comfortable doing it. I'm just not there yet. And, um, yeah, I need to ease my way in slowly, like go to a, go to a busier patio first outdoors, so how make, make sure I'm comfortable there and only then really move inside um, for that kind of thing. Um, I'm very eager for the vaccine passport to be more efficient than a PDF or a piece of paper that you print off. Um, I'm really looking forward to have some, having the verification system that's apparently coming in October. Um, it seems really clear to me that in order to actually do the verification thing, what you need is like a basically a personal database. Where you can see like because photo ID is is fine, like it's what we it's our standard for everything right now. Um, but what would be really great is if you had a QR code or something you could scan in the vaccine passport in an app or or printed, whether it's a QR code, but that you'd scan the barcode and the result that you would get. I hope this is how they do it. The result you would get when you scan it is the person's name, the person's a photo of the person or not maybe not even their name, but a photo of the person and then their vaccination status. Um, basically keep it as private as possible while making sure that that people are not skirting the system or using loopholes or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it rolls out. But honestly, the idea of a vaccine passport at all is going to cause more people to be vaccinated um, just out of not wanting to miss out on society and seeing, you know, it's very clear to me now that the, the hospitalization rate and death rate of people who are vaccinated compared to unvaccinated is just is just complete opposites. Um, and we're seeing a lot more. A lot like everyone is worried. Unvaccinated people, a lot of them are worried about side effects, long term side effects from getting vaccinated with this vaccine that we don't know that much about because it's relatively new. But um, yeah, the, the very obvious counterpoint to that is we don't know much about COVID and long term symptoms effects of that. But we are starting to see research uh, for both of those. And for as long as we know, these mRNA vaccines don't have any long term side effects. And COVID is turning out to have a bunch of long term side effects, even if you get mild cases. And so for me, the choice is just getting clearer and clearer that vaccination is the way to go. Um, and I'm just hoping that everyone else, other people who are not vaccinated yet or just getting vaccinated are continuing to see it that way. So all that being said, I'm going to leave it here for now. Um, I do want to thank everyone very much for listening. And I'll be back next week, probably talking about the new job and, and what I've been working on and, and the kind of things that, uh, that have come to pass over the first week back. Um, So there you go. Talk to you next week. Bye.